Hello, and welcome back to Netflix and Kill, your source for all things horror and Netflix and witches and good things. It's been a long mm-hmm. day. <laughs> so today we have a guest. Hello. Hello. Andy, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Andy. I'm from the podcast Ending Pending over on Lunar Light Studios. Um, and I'm here to talk about, uh, spooky stuff. Yeah, we're glad to have you. By the way, if you haven't listened to Ending Pending, go listen. It's really good. Oh, thank you. As always, I'm Marty. Uh, sup? (laughs) Hello. And I'm Kai. And I love this movie a lot. So I was really, really happy that Andy wanted to come talk about it. Because this is like, as of right now... I would actually probably say this is, like, my favorite film. This movie's really good. It is really good. This movie's really fucking good. It's so It is really fucking good. So fucking good. Oh, man. Oh, I got a lot of feelings about this movie. I'm glad, because I do too, and I don't want to be the only one, so I'm really glad. Mm-hmm. I I had to rewatch it. It's been a long time since I watched it, because, like, the first time I watched it, um was like sophomore year of college I think and so it's been like two years since I last watched it so it's good to have a refresher and yeah this movie is really fucking good <laughs> yeah this movie this movie's uh as the kids would say is a banger heck yeah <laughs> yep it's a banger it's, lit. It, it's a banger and a half Robert Eggers banging out the tunes Yo, I'm so excited for... he He's doing The Lighthouse, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, he is. That I movie so, looks so good. It looks amazing. I was so mad, because I actually... I did an internship at Cannes, and it was showing there. Um, but it was, like, one of those screenings that just... As long as you have a badge, you can get in. But they give, like... They give priority to certain people, so anyone who was with the press got in first. And there was, like, such mm-hmm. high demand. I waited in line for, like, two hours, and I wasn't able to get in, because so many people wanted to see it. I, it looks really good. It looks amazing. People, yeah. people who are bitching about Robert Pattinson playing Batman because he was in Twilight and have not followed what he's done since Twilight, like, y'all, y'all are sleeping on this guy. He's been banging out solid indie movies for years. For years. He has been. And and William William Defoe? William Defoe? Oh. That lighthouse looks oh, so good. Oh god. Yes. I love Green Goblin so much and I love him. And I really wanted to see the movie where he was playing Van Gogh. Um, I don't remember the name of it, oh, but uh, that's been on my watch. Yeah. I I wanted to watch that one for a while too. Um mm. and I just I love Willem Defoe so much. He's just so expressive as an actor and like you know, I, <laughs> he's kind of a meme just because he's been in the Spider-Man movies, but that that guy has so much range, and I have like, a lot of respect for him. He can do, like, Mississippi Burning or The the mm-hmm. Last Temptation of Christ, and then he can also do Boondock Saints <laughs> and Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Willem Dafoe is a national treasure. Yeah. yeah. The range. Um... <laughs> He's kind of in the same boat, I guess, as uh, Steve Buscemi for me, where, like, they can do a lot of really good serious, like, acting, but then, like, they can take a break and do something, like, 
super duper like goofy or just fun and have fun with it and i really respect that for sure well it sounds like we'll have to we'll have to all reconvene whenever the lighthouse finally comes out oh yes definitely bring me back yes put me back in coach yeah take me back now y'all one hop this time (laughs) (laughs) everybody clap your hands Oh, fantastic. Oh, so I don't even know where to be. I guess we should, like, give a quick summary of what this movie's about. Um, who wants to do it? We we normally take turns, so. I feel like everyone just chime in. I'll, I'll start, I guess. Um, so, like, this movie is about, like, a family of Protestants from, like, the 1600s and... Uh, the at the beginning, I think they got. Did they just like leave the plantation, or were they kicked out? I don't remember. They, they, they get out. kicked out. Yeah, because I don't remember what they did. The dad was too intense. He was like his religion was too intense for the super intense Puritans, which is kind of funny. Like there was like a religious dispute, so this family gets kicked out of their community, and they go off on their own to start their own little farm like way out in the middle of nowhere next to the woods mm-hmm. so and then when they when they start their farm uh, already it's going really badly cause like there's no crop um, everything's growing really badly or slow um, and like the goats that they have aren't producing milk or anything and it's it's been really hard and so like at the beginning of the movie, I know the the father, um, William, and uh, the one of the sons, Caleb, the older son, uh, go out to find food at one point, and they don't tell anyone, and so the rest of the family is freaking out because they don't know where they are. Even even before that, their their one baby has been taken oh, yes. by the witch. Yeah. And Everyone keeps they, saying it's a wolf. They they reveal to the audience very early that there is a real witch. Which mm-hmm. I think is maybe my only complaint. Um, as like horrifying and really well shot the scene is of the witch. With mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if she eats the baby or what. But it's it's buck wild. I kind of wish that we were left in suspense that, like, is this family yeah. kind of going nuts? Like, are they paranoid? Or is there actually a witch? But they, they let mm-hmm. you know very early that there is one. Yeah, I think it's implied that she does eat the baby because, like, you can see her, like, mashing something up. And then you they, like, show another shot of her and, like, there's, like, this red, thick paste that she's eating and like rubbing on her skin and stuff. So I assume that she killed, smashed, ate, and rubbed the baby all over herself. <laughs> Which is gross, but I have to laugh about it because if I don't, then I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> yeah, this movie's not for the fan of heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not. And like, it's funny because it's not, you know, we've watched some really intense things for this podcast, you know, stuff like Raw. Um, but, and like, I guess compared to that, like, The Witch, it really isn't super violent. 
but like I don't know it's just something about the way it's directed it's got like such a subtle power to all of these scenes that it really makes them stay in your memory yeah I totally agree with that yeah. Uh, so after the baby's missing, the family thinks maybe it was a wolf or something like that. And uh, while the William and Caleb, the father and son, are hunting, Caleb asks if the baby went to heaven because it wasn't baptized. Mm-hmm. And they oh, have kind of like seen... an intense conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They they talk about like what if you know like. He didn't do anything. They, like, talk about, like, predestination and stuff, and they don't- that's not what they call it, but that's what it is, is, like, they- they're talking about, like, well, he was a baby. He didn't do anything wrong. He- there's no reason he should be in hell, is what Caleb is saying, and the father's like, that's not how that works. Um, no one knows if they're good or bad in the beginning, so we have to always assume that someone is, you know, um, like, born with sin, because, um- you know, they, you never know what or who they are. In, in modern religion, they have something called Age of Accountability, which is a doctrine that, like, there's an age where adolescents or maybe, like, uh, someone with a learning disability or something like that, where if you don't know right from wrong, then you can't be sent to hell. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a kind of a hotly debated thing. I don't know about that. That's evangelical actually really interesting. Circles, which is where I yeah. originally come from. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to see this kind of intense conversation because when when you're talking about a loved one, it's always more real. It's always more yeah. visceral yeah. than, you know, a theoretical. Yeah. And I, I think that's where a lot of people's doctrine can kind of hit the road. When you're just talking about theoreticals, you can say whatever it is that you believe or whatever you think or whatever, but as soon as you're talking about someone you love and care about, that makes that shit way more real and way more personal. And mm-hmm. your, your doctrine can kind of hit a brick wall then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, you know, you, you always want to believe that the people in your family and your friends are good. Um, but, you know, that's... Yeah, it's so, it's so difficult to, like, you know, have that kind of philosophy like you know that everything is always bad in the world but still know people who are good you know because it feels like in my mind I feel like if I thought that way that I would be accusing everyone all the time of being bad people no matter what and I just don't feel that way at all and I feel like I feel like that would be really hard for me if I had ever adopted that kind of like philosophy you know yeah yeah I mean some Christian Christian circles are pretty buck wild with like yeah. we're, we're all we're all under the curse of Adam and every single person is born into sin with an evil heart and it's only through the the love of Jesus that people can be good and it's like I don't know I know some I know some atheists who are pretty great and I know some some of my Jewish friends are pretty great and I know some some of my Muslim friends are pretty great I don't I don't, I don't know yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And that, that's why I'm not a pastor anymore. That uh, and the gay <laughs> shit, but... but. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so they come back from the woods, and uh, the mother, Catherine, and Thomason, who is the oldest sister, 
um, are outside wondering where they'd gone, and Catherine, uh, is, like, you know, freaking out, like, what is wrong with you people? Where, why didn't you tell me where you were going? And I don't, I don't remember, um, totally what the, the trip to the woods was for, but they come back and they say something about how they were looking for apples and, like, other kinds of food because they weren't growing any. And they yeah. said that they didn't tell anyone because they wanted it to be a surprise if they had found them. Yeah, they were trying, they were hunting, they were trying to get food because they didn't have enough. So, that told a partial truth, it just wasn't, because they weren't supposed to be going in the woods ever since the baby went missing. The mother was mm-hmm. kind of freaked out about oh it's dangerous um and at this point in the story this is kind of where we start to get her accusing thomason of mm-hmm, of like not like outright accusing her stuff. of being a witch yet but yeah but she's like you know you know kind that. of suspecting that thomason had uh taken the baby and done something with it yeah or at least at the very least of just like being careless with the baby like you can tell she kind of thinks it's Thomason's fault that she wasn't watching the baby well enough. Yeah. Even though, like, the baby was right in front of her and they were playing peekaboo, and literally Thomason takes her eyes off of the baby for, like, two seconds and turns around and is gone. Which is, like, the fastest, like, reflexes I would ever say a witch has ever had. Uh, <laughs> you cover your eyes for two seconds to play peekaboo and then your baby goes missing. Like, Super that's, speed. That's yeah. incredible. Satan gives you superpowers, apparently. <laughs> gives you Sonic the Hedgehog powers. <laughs> oh no! Oh my gosh. I don't even want to think about Sonic right now. <laughs> Gotta go fast. So, anyways, they come back and um, there was also a conversation that uh, William and Caleb had had um, while in the woods, I think. And they talk about how um, in order to get food, I think they said that uh, William sold Catherine's f- silver cup. Is that right? He he did it to get the like traps. So they were like setting traps mm-hmm. for for rabbits and stuff. Okay. Um. But yeah, they they talk about that, and then um. So they they I think it kind of cuts and goes to like. Um, like dinner after that and uh, Catherine starts accusing Thomason of uh, being a witch like not being a witch but of like doing something with the cup like she had stolen it or something and she's like you know getting mad about it and like you lost the baby then you lost the cup and William's just like not saying anything sitting there (laughs) yeah he's like she said she didn't do it just calm down and it's like you know what you did with that cup why don't you say it right now and it's like square up Catherine's pretty (laughs) high strung but like you also can't blame her because her baby went missing they got the actress who played uh, Lisa Aaron in Game of Thrones and her like unhinged kind of screaming scenes in Game of Thrones. She kind of has a couple moments like that in The Witch. And she's just incredible. Mm-hmm. She's she's more relatable in this than Lisa Aaron, but... Or Lysa Aaron. All you Game of Thrones people get mad at me. But, <laughs> um... Yeah, she still does that, like, 
unhinged mother-like thing real good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think all of the performances are just In this movie displays grief really well. Yeah. I I also think William is in Game of Thrones, too. I could be wrong about that, but I think he is. I think that's right. I think I read that on his IMDb. Um, I, like, went over all of their IMDb's earlier today because I was just really curious. I was curious what else they'd been in. And this was... So Anna Taylor-Joy, who plays Thomason, this was, like, her first credited role, basically. Like, she'd been in a few other things, but it was, like, really small just as an extra. So that alone is already impressive because she gives just an amazing performance. Um, Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, and then she's in, like, a ton of stuff that's coming up that's being filmed right now. So I'm really excited for her that she's getting praise for this and that she's getting a lot of work now yeah so after the dinner scene we have more of uh thomason finds out that oh what was the son's name again i just blinked caleb um jonas and mercy oh Oh, yeah we haven't talked about them yet well twins yeah we'll bring them up a little bit a little bit later i guess uh because they haven't had like a super big role yet but thomason goes with caleb to check on the traps and um, their dog runs off, gets spooked by a rabbit, and chases it off into the woods. So Caleb runs after it, and he ends up coming across the witch's home. And we see Caleb, like this young woman kind of comes out of the of the house and beckons him in, and you just see him follow her. And then for a while, like you, it just kind of cuts away, and you don't really know what happens. Um, and then poor Thomason shows up without Caleb and without a dog and her parents are even more upset with her now and more suspicious of her. Mm-hmm. At this point, it, it looks like now that she has been killing her siblings. Yeah. Um, but then I think uh, Caleb shows up a little bit later, um, just like in front of their house. Yeah. And, and- uh, and he's, like, sick and kind of a little bit, like, he's not all there. He's kind of, like... He got a bit fucked up. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, like, from... Just from, like, watching what happens to him in the woods, there's just, like, this beautiful lady, and she just kind of, like, forces him to kiss her or whatever. And so, like, you know... From that point, you know, like, something is going on with him, so, like... Yeah, well, they they have a good lead-up to it, though, because before then, there's a really interesting scene um, where he's with Thomason, and he's, like, very clearly checking out her cleavage. Oh, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, he's a little pervy. Uh, yeah, but it's like, it's like, okay, I guess I, I get it, because, like, you know, this is the only female that you're around... That's, like, mm-hmm. your age, but also that's your sister, dude. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's it's weird, but at the same time, I get it, but at the same time, no. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was a really interesting detail to include. Mm-hmm. It definitely sets up that when he finds the woman in the woods, dressed in all red, with her, her big ol' titties just, like, hanging out, that he's like, alright. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Caleb gets fucked by the witch. 
like we, physically we, we don't and if... metaphorically. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't. I. I. Do they. They don't ever really like show that that's what happens to him. They don't. But, you can but like, tell. she at least lured him in with the promise of sex. Whether or not they they did the deed, he's got kind of like scratches on him. So it mm-hmm. it, it kind of looks like. They maybe had some really rough sex, but mm-hmm. he's also like fourteen or some shit. So I don't know if yeah. this immortal witch is like actually gonna f- do that. She might have just like tortured him and then like sent him on his yeah. way. Yeah, I like that they keep it vague though. Yeah. At the same time, you know, it's the sixteen hundreds, and therefore there's like no set age of consent. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, you don't know what happens, but it, you can pretty much infer. Yeah, but it's uh, uh, weird to think about. Also, this this movie's like rough. Like, it starts with a baby getting murdered and probably eaten. So and slathered on a woman. So uh, yeah, and smothered on a naked granny. So. <laughs> What what exactly happened to Caleb while left to your imagination? Like, your mind immediately goes to some pretty dark places. And whether or not he was tortured mm-hmm. or whether he had some form of consensual sex with this this woman and she put a hex on him. Um, I think there's a lot of themes of purity going on here. And then the imagery yes. of him, like coughing up the apple like the forbidden fruit i think is pretty powerful that uh sex to him was this forbidden fruit and then you know he had that premarital sex that jesus frowns upon uh with some sort of she demon (laughs) then he coughs up an apple It, it well it is it's especially kind of cool because um it brings back what he and the dad like their lie that they told earlier that they told the mother that they were going into the woods to look for apples. So I kind of yeah. like that that gets brought back around, foreshadowing. Um, and going back to, like, the, the the inferences that we make, I think that's, I mean, it's definitely by design. Like, this movie is about sin, and therefore, like, anything that we don't see um, makes us think the worst because of, you know, the way that, you know, the movie's already set up. Absolutely. And I think that's 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 pretty uh smart in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he in a really, really intense scene, um, dies, basically. But yes. like <laughs> he sits up and starts like quoting scripture and proclaims his love for Christ before he just like falls over and dies. And at this the point parents try and get the twins to say the Lord's prayer for him. And they can't say it. And that's a really mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah, they're like, we've forgotten our prayers, we can't say it. We should really talk about the scene before this, though. Um, we kind of just totally glossed over it. Um, but uh, the the scene in which uh, Thomason and Caleb are out, I think it's like near a stream or something. And oh, uh, yeah. Mercy, Mercy shows up and she's like, I'm the witch of the wood. And like starting to, you know, just being weird like kids are <laughs> and uh she's like so thomason is like telling her you, you know you need to stop doing that you know because it's not funny and uh 
And then, like, so she keeps so she keeps talking about how she's a witch, and then Thomason goes, you know, I'm the witch. And so Thomason just, like, starts telling her, like, I killed Samuel, and I threw him out in the woods, and, like, all this other stuff, and, um, and just, like, to scare Mercy into, like, not, not joking about it anymore, but, like, <laughs> she kind of just starts beating up on Mercy, this, like, little kid, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, Mercy and Jonas would test any older sibling's patience, because they're, like, constantly mm-hmm. just running around and singing and, like, not listening to a word that she says. Yeah, and they're not doing anything that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so she's trying to just kind of spook her into behaving, I think. But Yeah, it's, and they it's keep talking really- about how Black Philip the goat is, like, telling them things about uh, like, Thomason and, like, the rest of their family, and they, they're just talking about how he just talks to them all the time, and that's weird. (laughs) Yeah, so, I guess, so back to the scene with Caleb, where, where Mercy and Jonas can't say the Lord's Prayer, this is a question I've had about that, do you guys think that, like, they were just pretending so they could get Thomason in trouble, or do you think they actually couldn't remember the prayer? I mean, considering that the witches are real and, like, Black Phillip is a real entity by the end of the movie, I do think that they can't. But, um, at the same time, um, it was a thing back in the day for children to pretend that other people were witches in order to get them in trouble because they didn't like them. Um, so that's, like, an actual thing that happens and it's pretty historically accurate, but, um, in the context of the film, I, I do, I think that they were... Uh, just forgetting. Also, it's pretty easy for a kid to forget something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... I... That's not how I took it. I think, after having rewatched it, that they were in some sort of pact with Black Phillip. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the crops failed, and all sorts of bizarre stuff happened, even before the end of the movie and I think they were in some sort of union with Black Phillip like they're always singing to him they're always talking to him and then uh, the first baby goes missing I don't think that baby could have disappeared unless someone had offered it to the the coven I don't know if like the witch would have just like nabbed that baby I think the siblings maybe like the twins, like, hey, you can have her. David Bowie, come take our, our younger brother. <laughs> um, and then I think Black Phillip was like, you know what? With how they're treating the oldest daughter, and she's, like, real smart and going to be a better addition to the coven than these twins, I'm going to toss them aside and then try and get her to sign her name. Okay. I, I think that makes sense. Um, I also, and, in, like, in context with, them being kids I think that also makes sense because like kids don't really understand the impact of what what they're doing oh I I doubt they had any clue what they were actually doing yeah yeah and so so Black Phillip you know it's really easy to tempt a child like really easy if you if y'all do y'all know about the marshmallow test yeah 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 but that's really interesting you know I hadn't thought of it that way before, I guess, of that being a possibility, but I think that makes total sense. 
Also, like they're they're framed as like kind of disrespectful and rebellious and almost spoiled. Like they're constantly mm-hmm. annoying their parents and their siblings. They're constantly just kind of doing whatever they want. And uh yeah, there's kind of like a Hansel and Gretel vibe with them. Like they're gonna eat the candy in the witch's house. Yeah. Yeah. Um the there's also kind of a a supernatural tie-in with the fact that they're twins. Um, because I know in a lot of folklore that twins are oftentimes troublemakers. Um, and so when um Thomason is talking about how like you know, they were, they're the ones who are doing this. It's, like, ki- kind of true in the, the folklore aspect. And um, no- knowing that uh, a lot of the stuff that's in this movie comes from, like, folklore and, like, historic um, tales of, like, what happened in the 1600s, like, that totally makes sense. It's twins. <laughs> so moving on from the the twins kind of being suspicious and then Caleb dies... Thomasine and William have a really intense conversation where uh, William accuses her of being a witch and and gets kind of like physical. I think he like shoves her down and then she calls him on all of his bullshit about lying about where he and Caleb went and lying about the cup and his hypocrisy. And she's like, the only thing I'm guilty of is you throwing me under the bus for your lies. How do you speak about truth? You're a hypocrite. And then he's like, you're twisting things. Like you're, you have the devil's tongue or some shit. And it's like, no, she's right about all of this. And you feel guilty about it. And you're an asshole. Yeah. He's like totally denying that he's been doing the wrong thing the whole time. Because like, he he feels like he's he is doing the right thing, but he's not because you know he's he's like stealing from his family. He's lying to them about what he's been doing. He's not telling anyone where they're going and putting you know his children in danger. Um, you know for uh so that they can basically prove a point to uh the plantation that they were kicked out of that they can you know do better than they did basically. So, like, all of this comes down to pride. Yeah. And, like, I don't necessarily think any of the decisions he made were wrong. Like, I think he had right intentions with selling the cup. And, like, he was trying to provide for his family and this, that, and the other. And he is under a lot of pressure. But the thing he did that was wrong was letting the wife, letting his wife, scapegoat his daughter. Mm-hmm. Because... Mm-hmm. The, the mother blames everything on Thomasine and William's just quiet about it and Thomasine's totally right calling William on that bullshit and the mm-hmm. only reason why he's accusing her of being a witch is because he did all this wrong shit and the mom blamed her for it yeah yeah and I think this is the point in the movie in which um for me anyways like I lose sympathy for William's character absolutely because mm-hmm. before like you know I can kind of see where he's coming from like you were talking about he's just trying to do the right thing but at this point I yeah yeah I'm like okay no like you shouldn't treat your daughter that way 
And then this is where he decides uh, to lock, because Thomasine is accusing the child of Jonas and Mercy of being of associating with the witches, and they're accusing her of being a witch. So he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna fix this. I'm just gonna lock you all in the goat shed overnight." Right before and- that, though. He tries to wake up the kids, the twins, and they're pretending to be asleep. Uh, and uh, it's not till he's like, I'm going to hatchet Jonas, that Jonas starts screaming. And then he, like, one hand <laughs> picks Jonas up and is like, y'all are fucking guilty. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're going to act yeah. some babies. He, it's like, intense. just picks them up by the scruff of their neck. He's like, you little shit. Uh, like I'm in awe during that scene because like holy crap this dude's so strong he's gonna pick his kid up by the neck and like you know but like at the same time it's like holy crap you fixing to like just chop your kids up holy what what (laughs) so he he locks them all in with black phillip yeah which was a mistake yeah maybe not the best move if you think that the goat is a familiar or the devil or something but yeah, cool. the the animal form of uh, the the great horned one. <laughs> um, it's probably not a good idea to lock, you know, your kids whom you love and want to save from sin, uh, in with uh, don't 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 lock them in there with a goat. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. So this is also when we get um, Catherine's dream sequence. Oh right? God, I love that dream sequence so much. It like. Oh. It's so freaky. I love it. So, um, yeah, so, uh, Catherine's dream sequence, she, uh, is, you know, she's inside the house, um, and she sees Caleb and Samuel, and she's like, oh, my babies, you've returned to me, and Caleb is, is holding Samuel, and he's got this, like, most, like, this dark, monotone voice. You can tell something is definitely wrong with him. He's like, um... He's, like, telling her, yes, we're back, and, um, you know, you should love us forever and ever. And she's like, oh, yes, babies, I do love you forever. Let me go get your dad so he knows that you're here. And they are like, they say, no, let him sleep. We just want you. And it's like, oh, my God. And then so she takes she takes uh, Samuel from Caleb and holds him and... Um, and then she, like, so Samuel's crying, and, uh, she says, oh, the baby's hungry, so I'm gonna feed him, and, um, and then it, from, from then, it, like, cuts from her dream into, uh, the barn, and it's, like, a really great parallel, because you see, like, the witch, and she's drinking, or, like, she's devouring one of the goats, and the goat is just standing there letting it happen, and, um, and then you go back into the dream, and you see, like, um, or not even a dream. I don't even know if this part is a dream or not. But, like, you see her and she's, like, laughing hysterically while this raven is, like, pecking at her chest and, like, eating at her. And it's, like, that really good parallel of, like, just kind of, like, letting the that thing eat you. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, I, lo- I love it so much. It's, like, you know, she's just sit- the The shot, though, is so good. It's just, like, a... Nice master shot. She's in the center, sitting on a chair, with this red blanket sitting in her lap, and like this raven is just resting on her, uh, on her arm, just like pecking at her chest, and she's just sitting there laughing, and it's, 
it's so beautiful and so creepy, and uh, I love it so much. Maximum spook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, so that's happening, and then, uh, so the kids are screaming outside while this, the, the hag is, like, eating at one of the goats, and then you don't really see Thomason at all during that part until, like, um, the witch shows her face and starts, like, scream laughing, and then it, it, sh- like, it shifts, um, the camera over to Thomason, and she's, like, sitting up, and then she, like, starts to scream, so I don't know if that was also a dream, and, like, but at the same time, it probably wasn't, because, like, you know, then, then, like, in the next part, the kids are missing, um, the goats are dead, the barn was, um, like, Black exploded. Black missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, Black Phillip had, like, busted out of the barn, basically, because, like, the wood panels were gone, um, the witch had probably, like, busted in to get to the goats, too, and, uh, and to the children. And then she probably took the kids, but I don't, I don't necessarily know where they ended up. Yeah, um, you never you see can... Jonas and Mercy again, they're just gone. It's, it's heavily implied gone. that they're dead. At least that's how I read yeah. it. I mean, from that scene, you can see there are two two similar-looking white goats on the ground, just emaciated and, like, pulled apart. So that's probably what happened to them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do a really good job of, like, telling you what is happening um, just from, like, set pieces. Um, like, you know, with the, with the apple, Caleb, like, throwing the mm-hmm. apple up and... And then you see the goats in there, like, all, like, torn to shreds and stuff. There's two of them, and then the kids are gone. Um, it, it's it's really good at leading you to, like, uh, a conclusion with just, like, the visuals. Yeah, that, that, that's, like, one of my favorite things about this. Um, so right after that, Black Phillip has a confrontation with William and gores him open. Yeah, you, you just see... Uh, so the shot is of Thomason, and she's in the barn. There's blood on her hands, and William comes out and is, like, looking right at her, like, what did you do? He hasn't said anything, though. And then Black Philip just, like, rams into him from the side and, like, stabs him with his horns and then throws him into, like, this big uh, stack of, like, firewood that they have and just, like, kills him right there. <laughs> it's like... So real it's fast, really I want to talk about his last line, because this is one thing, from the very first time I saw it, this is always stuck in my mind, because I don't quite know what it means, but you get a, I guess, like, you have a vague idea. So as he dies, William says, corruption, thou art my father. Mm-hmm. Which is just really intense. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, I think he's kind of, like, assuming that this is what he gets for, um you know, being the way that he is, you know, like, lying to his family and, like, throwing Thomasine under the bus and, you know, stealing and, you know, just, like, not being a very good father. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, I I wonder about, like, if there's another, uh, like, another meaning behind that. Because I feel like it could be interpreted in many ways, but, like, that's just the interpretation that I got. I have no idea. It's a fucking good line, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, that that would be a really good line to like have tattooed on you if you're just like really edgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That one, and then, of course, Live Deliciously. Yes. That's, that's another one. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so then Mama Erin kind of goes uh, off the rails and tries to murder Thomasine with a knife. And it's, it's a really brutal fight scene. And Thomasina uh, kills her mom in self-defense, which I'm sure she'll have to go to years of therapy to sort through. Yeah, therapy in the woods with the witches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so Catherine, like, grabs her, shoves her up against the wall of the house and is, like, telling her, like, you slut, you, you uh, tempted Caleb into into this bewitchment and all this other stuff and talking about how she did the same thing with William which doesn't make any sense because you don't see any of that at all she's just drawing conclusions and based on the fact that like William is has just died and you know and they both start sobbing um this is such a beautiful part of the movie she's just like screaming at Thomasine and like crying and Thomasine is telling her I didn't do any of this and she just like Catherine just like falls into her daughter and starts sobbing and Thomasine just puts her head right on top of her and they're just crying together and then and then Catherine throws her down to the ground and like starts like hitting her and all this other stuff and then just to get her off Thomasine just kind of I don't even think she knew what she was grabbing but like she just grabs the nearest thing and it looks like a knife I'm not totally sure it's like a curved blade um, might be used to, like, cut down, like, plants, kind of like a sickle, but it's, like, hand-sized. Um, she just kind of, like, hits her upside the head with it, and, like, it leaves this really long, like, deep cut in her face. And then, so, once that happens, then, uh, Catherine just starts choking her, like, and, like, hitting her head against the ground, and so, Thomasine, she's, like, trying really hard not to, like, like hurt her but then like it gets to the point where she just stabs her to death and like and right before that she's just Thomasine's just screaming I love you I love you I love you like to get her to stop doing anything and she's just not stopping and it's it's so intense but like I love I love like the last like 20 to 30 minutes of this movie is like some of the best stuff I've seen in a while like for real yeah it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty rough stuff yeah so then we get the end which is just absolutely iconic so thomason returns to the shed um all her family is gone now and black philip comes out and begins to speak to her and asks her wouldst thou like to live deliciously wouldst thou like the taste of butter What's thou like a pretty dress? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Also, I think he's dressed up like a cowboy. Cause like you see you his feet see his and there's face. like Yeah, you never see his face, but you see his feet. It looks like he's wearing cowboy boots with spurs on them as he's walking like towards her and like behind her. You just hear this jangling, and then you also see he's like wearing a leather glove. <laughs> and it's like what? Cowboy? <laughs> it's really a sure we didn't get more of this guy. His name is Daniel uh, Malik or Malik. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, but uh, he's very attractive. And oh, is he? Yes, he's. We don't see his face. Out. No, we we like don't see him at all. 
And it says he's the voice of Black Phillip, so I don't even know if he was ever on set. Oh. But he, <laughs> he's he's a cutie. Mm. Oh, he is. I, I just looked him up. Yeah. He's on The Handmaid's Tale also. Yeah. I'll have to look that up his, again. What? I'd sign my name in his book pretty much <laughs> immediately. Um, what did you say his name was again? Daniel, uh, and then his last name is Malik, M-A-L-I-K. <clears throat> okay. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Well, hats off to Oh, Daniel. wow, you are so correct. Yeah. Da- no small parts, only small actors. The dude has, like, six lines, and he fucking knocks it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, again, mm-hmm. he has the most, <laughs> the most quotable line of the film, so... Uh-huh. He gets, he gets like, you know, only a couple of lines, but, like, he gets the most iconic role of the whole dang movie. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Thomason is very interested in living deliciously, so she signs away her name, and at the end we see her walking into the woods. She takes off all her clothes, walks naked into the woods, and there's a coven of witches gathered around and they all ascend into the sky and it's the coolest final image um, of any horror film maybe since the Blair Witch Project yeah Something probably which is like it's it's so be- it's like a beautiful final images mm-hmm. it's a beautiful shot she's just like rising into the air and her, like it's like right on like she follows the line of this tree like all the way up to the top and it's it's like gorgeous <laughs> but at the, so cool. it's beautiful and wonderful but at the same time I cannot help but think of the end of Beetlejuice when I watch it and just I, I just hear Harry Belafonte's jump in the line just like playing over that part where she's just like rising into the air you know it would be a very different movie if that were the case <laughs> yeah but like at, at the same time I feel like even though, like, she's being tempted by Satan, I feel like it's a happy ending f- for her. It is wow. a happy ending, and that's what I fucking love about this movie. So when mm-hmm. you see other witch witch movies, and the witch is the bad guy, you're kind of like, why on earth would anyone, like, make this deal with the devil or whatever the fuck? And when you watch The Witch, and you see how Thomasine, who is scapegoated and mistrusted and fucking attacked by the people she loves and left with nothing, like, of course she's gonna write her name in the book. Like, what else is she gonna do? Live in that house by herself? Like, go back to the village where they're gonna accuse her of murdering her family and kill her as a witch, even though she hasn't been one? So of course she's gonna go and join the witches. They're gonna accuse her of being one anyway. It's mm-hmm. fucking good. It's good writing. Oh, I love this movie. Oh, it's great writing. Yeah. yeah. I, I also feel like it's weirdly feminist. It's super feminist. It's like she joins this group who has been accused of, like, a bunch of stuff that they, you know, in, in the context of the movie, probably have done. Um, but, like, she she joins them, and it's like it's like she's finally joining a community that actually respects her, because... Like, they they are all, you know, the symbolism of them being naked and in a circle, it's like, you know, it's like that, inti- like, intense and intimate, like, shared community kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. See, for me, 
I still, I haven't decided, I guess, whether or not, like, I feel like this is a good or bad ending for Thomason. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think it's feminist as fuck. And I think it's, but, like, I guess part of me still sees the film as a tragedy because, like, she's lost her family and, like, this is her only option. And it's her family's Mm -hmm. fault, you know, that they died. But, like, it's still, there's, like, an element of tragedy to it. But I like that complexity. I like that I'm left wondering, like, okay, this could be a good thing for her, but, like, there's still a bit of sadness to it. Like, oh, this yeah. was still what she felt like was her only choice. Um, yeah. And it was kind of made her only choice. Yeah. At, you know, by the end of it. Movies with this overtly religious themes are always going to have a lot of baggage with me. So it, 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 it's kind of tough to maybe parse what the writer or director intended because I'm going to see it through my own lens, which is the only way I can see movies like mm-hmm. this. But as a, you know, a queer person who came out and then had my entire world blow up, much in, uh, you know, not as violently as Thomasine, but I can I can relate to her and the feeling of like look y'all have kept accusing me of being a monster and I'm not one but if you're gonna keep accusing me of being this then like that's all you're gonna ever see me at so I might as well write Mm -hmm. my name in this book like that that there's a lot of truth there I think in the queer experience not just for myself like we took the Babadook we took uh, the Loch Ness Monster, like, like we took every cryptid. They're all ours. Fuck off. Heck yeah. Uh, so the, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think this movie has a very strong queer narrative, and you can watch it through that lens. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying any of the characters are gay, but it, it, it feels very much like a coming out story to me. And yeah. Yeah. I definitely relate to it with my my own coming out experience. And this idea of she didn't do anything wrong. She was honest the entire film. And they just kept accusing her of being a monster. And so finally, like, she's left with no options and walk-offs. Goes off into the woods with a bunch of naked lesbians and flies. <laughs> Fuck yeah. This is the future oh. liberals want. <laughs> yeah, the only the only thing I can think of her doing wrong is like saying, you know, I'm the witch, and like, you know, kind of, you know, being a little violent towards her little her sibling, but like that's in, just sibling in, shit. In the, yeah, I was about to say, who yeah. hasn't? Who hasn't yeah, done but like, that to their siblings at some point? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at the same time, like, a that's totally understandable. Everyone who has siblings knows how like ridiculous having to deal with them is. Um, and like secondly like you know the these little kids you know she's are i feel like she's already kind of suspecting that there there's something wrong with them at that point and so she's just trying to outweird them in order to like get them to stop but like you know she like starts to joke about it and then like she becomes that and like i love that so much um, for for McElroy fans, it's Frankenstein, Thomason. <laughs> Time to become the monster. Become, become the monster. Become the monster, yep. Yeah. yeah, I just, this movie is great. Yeah, very timely, too. 
I think, mm-hmm. which is great. Like, even though, you know, obviously it's a period film, it's like, it's so applicable to today. And I, I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, like, like Andy was saying, like, it's, it's like definitely, uh, like, a, I, I'm not totally sure how it would relate to my experience exactly, um, but about like being, you know, LGBT and queer. Um, but like, I, I can definitely feel that kind of, you know, reading and energy um, from this movie, like, you know, you, you can do everything right in the world, but, like, there people are still going to, like, accuse you of being, you know, the devil um, yeah. just because of who you are. Yeah, I can, I can totally feel that. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of a lot of friends I had who grew up in extremely conservative households. Yeah. I, I was pretty I, lucky growing up like my parents weren't like super hard on me but I had friends like you know that we all grew up with these people who like weren't allowed to read Harry Potter because witchcraft and stuff mm-hmm. like that so like one friend in particular I remember like her mom just being super hard on her um took mm-hmm. her out of school and homeschooled her to keep her away from like bad influences and she wasn't allowed to do anything or read anything or watch what she wanted and So, of course, like, as soon as she graduated, she went off to college and, like, just went nuts and, like, you know, started (laughs) drinking and smoking and sleeping around because, like, that's what's going to happen. If you control your kids so much, then, like, they're going to go off and join a coven, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even, Even if you remove kind of the queer angle, like, Thomasine does nothing sexual the entire movie and what does the mom call her at the end like you're a slut and you seduced Caleb and William and it's like it doesn't matter what a woman does nowadays that's always going to be the first thing thrown at her like oh she's a bitch she's a slut mm-hmm. whatever it's and like it's that like, they deserved that because of, of the fact that they are a woman you know it's just like, it's just like Christ like People haven't changed. They've been this way since the 1600s. Yeah, like. I mean the the fashion has changed. The words have changed, but like the meaning has not changed at all. And it's it, it is very timely. Like you know, we have like the Me Too movement going on and stuff. And there's like you know this fight to change the way that we feel about you know women and uh, you know making men take responsibility for the things that they are doing. And, you know, it's, like, no matter what, you know, people are not going to believe women, even if they're telling the truth. And it's, you know, it, this, this movie is such a great metaphor for, for modern times and, and, like, how, you know, it hasn't changed at all. And it's so good, though. (laughs) It's such a good movie. So good. Yeah. Uh... So, real quick, I also, can we just, like, give a shout-out to the costumes and the set design? Because, like, the people behind the scenes worked so hard to make it accurate, mm -hmm. and it looks amazing. I would sacrifice a goat to Satan to own Williams. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, okay, I do not present feminine at all. Um, I I was talking about this, I'm like earlier today but i'm i'm non-binary i never have felt like the need to be feminine but just like looking at the petticoat that thomasine is wearing i'm like i rock that (laughs) 
Yeah. Also, I want anyone to... looks good in a petticoat. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's let's be real. Yeah. Um, but also, like Black Phillip's whole get up and stuff. He's just like a cowboy. Yeah. I want just like that. <laughs> Me too. Did they even have spurs back in the 1600s? That's something I, I need think, to look up. I guess if they had horses, probably. Yeah, I gotta imagine they did. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's something that they would be, like, wearing constantly, though. That would probably be something that they would only wear if, like, they, they are constantly on a horse, though, right? I'm trying to get a picture of Black Phillip on Google, and it is <laughs> only the goat. Yeah, I mean... Shout out to the goat too. The goat was a good actor who was um, apparently okay, very hard to work the, with. Yes. He's a very <laughs> handsome goat. I like literally I heard that the goat used to like buck people like on set because it didn't want to work with anyone and apparently there were supposed to be like way more scenes with him, but Yeah. He, they had to cut them cuz the goat was just too hard to work with. Yeah, the goat was like Fuck this movie. Which is like in character. <laughs> Maybe he was just like method acting. Yeah. <laughs> um. My my only thought process is like he he felt like it was being discriminatory discriminatory towards goats. And he's like, yeah, fuck y'all. <laughs> okay. So I made just... it as hard to work with him as possible. <laughs> I just found a Funko Pop of Black Phillip. What? I didn't know this existed. That's I want wild. one. Live deliciously with the Funko Pop version of Black Phillip. He can stare at you every night from your desk. Whoa. It comes with a little <laughs> apple, too. That's creepy. There's a lot of fan art about this yeah, guy, y'all. he's iconic. Oh, wow, there's a lot of really cool Black Phillip tattoos, Ooh, too. I've seen some on Reddit. I Honestly, I would totally get a Black Phillip tattoo. I saw... Oh, I, I would, I totally too. Stole Definitely. This idea from someone on Reddit, but I saw someone post like a picture of their... They have a sleeve of tattoos inspired by different horror movies and one of them of course was black philip and so i i kind of like want that much respect um i i would want i just want the phrase live deliciously on me somewhere yes yeah i want the pretty dress yes. too yes pretty dress and butter and the butter mm. i fucking love butter <laughs> yeah, too butter. <laughs> ain't that a mood <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad offer. It's like, yeah, guys. pretty dresses. No, butter. it's a real guys, good guys, deal. guys, guys, guys. What? If you uh, the butter, Paula Dean, Paula is Paula oh. Dean one of the witches? Is she in the coven of witches? I mean, if she was, I would join. I want some some good old butter and some Paula Dean butter. Just add all the butter. <laughs> Southern cooking. Yes. Oh mm. my goodness. I, that makes I sense. I can go for some biscuits and gravy. Oh, uh, homemade biscuits and oh my goodness, with butter. <laughs> oh, one more last shout out is the dialogue in this film. Um, they worked very very hard apparently to make sure it was period accurate, and most oh, of it good. was taken from like either real folk tales or transcripts of witch trials and stuff that was actually from that time period. Yeah, they have that little, like, tidbit right at the very end of the movie just to just say, like, you know, we took a lot of the dialogue from, like, actual written words um, from the time period so that it would be, you know, accurate to the representation of the time. I was like, yeah. whoa, yeah, that's so a lot of research out. to go into that. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to the people who work 
so hard for that because that's that's not easy. <laughs> All right, I guess. Uh, do you guys have any last thoughts? This is a great movie. Yeah, easily the best horror movie of this decade. Um, it's my personal favorite horror movie. It's so good. Yeah, I I, I really I, I I tend to actually dislike horror movies. Um, a lot of modern horror, I feel like, at least popular modern horror, just goes for kind of like gore porn or jump scares. But I really love a good slow burn, and The Witch is phenomenal. Yeah, I would that. I would say a lot of a lot of like mainstream stuff does kind of lean towards like that kind of you know schlock for schlock sake kind of thing. But you know, I don't feel like that's mostly a bad thing. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of pent-up rage that has to go somewhere and it ends up in a project like that yeah it's just not for me it's not a bad thing it's just not what i want from from a movie i'm i'm a coward and i can't handle it but a a good a good creepy slow burn mm, yeah i'm here for that yeah that kind of like you know gore for gore sake kind of thing does get tiring after a while so like i definitely agree with you like it's it, it's so it's so good to have like something that's like just easy to watch even if it's like terrible and a tragedy and terrifying and yeah um, but like yeah I I I definitely agree with you this this is probably one of the better movies that has come out recently in in the horror genre that uh, has caught caught my attention and gotten um, a lot of uh, reaction out of me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I guess, like, for me, I, I definitely like all the schlocky and gory stuff a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess the thing about The Witch is, like, this will stay in my memory longer. Like, some oh, of yeah. the imagery from this film, I will remember forever. Versus, like, some of the images from Saw, like, eh, not really. Yeah. Like the the meaning definitely you can you can dig up a lot of meaning in this in The Witch. That like you know it isn't always like there in other movies. You can you could probably like find a little bit of it, but like for the most part, there's there's not a lot of commentary that can be made from those films unless you're like looking really hard. And this one, you don't have to look all that hard at all to like find something. Yeah. Any anytime y'all cover a weird religious movie, feel free to hit. Oh, me I up. will. There's yeah, Bring it's a common theme in horror films, so. That's because religion has traumatized a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the Bible alone, like, you could take several horror scenarios from some of the stuff that happens. Yeah, like, uh, uh, let's cut a baby in half. And one of the moms is like, okay. And the other one is like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it. Like, I want to see a horror Testament. movie made out of that. Yeah, the New Testament is the greatest zombie story of all time, so... Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> Say, I want to know the necromancer that decided that Jesus needed to be re- reawakened. I think it depends on what class you think Jesus had. Oh, if I you think... think he's a cleric, probably himself or his deity. If you think he's a warlock, maybe whatever he had a pact with. <laughs> yeah. Um... Definitely, I don't see him as a wizard. Maybe sorcerer, in which case it would have been like his own blood, maybe? Because sorcerers are innately magical. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can no, safely I... say, I did not think that this day was going to end with us assigning a D&D class to Jesus. But I'm so, so glad that's how it went. 
Hey, you gotta, you gotta... Maybe not the best Sunday school teacher. It sounds like you were the best Sunday school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I See, now I want to debate um, all of the, um, the other followers of Jesus and what, what classes they were. We don't know a lot about them, oh, but it would be oh, so much I have, fun. I have assigned D&D classes to every major Old Testament figure. Who's Peter? I just want to ask. Peter's New Testament, and I think you got to look at a lot of the miracles Peter is involved with involve, like, the water and fishing, because he and his brother were, were mm-hmm. fishers, fishermen. Um, but then he does pull off a resurrection in Acts, which is a big deal. Uh, Druid, maybe, because of some of the nature-based stuff, but Druids don't get resurrection, they get reincarnation. So either the person that Peter resurrected rolled really lucky and got human again, or he maybe, once he became, like, you know, Pope Peter, he then multi-classed into cleric. That's wonderful. I love this. I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. See, okay, now I want to just do a religious D&D story. (laughs) Where, just like a campaign. King David is a valor bard. Yes. Like... Just pick a Bible Moses figure. Moses is a cleric. Yes. Uh, Joshua, rogue. Like, we can go down the list. Also, if if you're listening and you disagree with my choices, fucking at me on Twitter. I'll go all day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so, good segue. So, Andy, where can you be found? I'm a, a one-hat town on Twitter. And uh, my podcast, again, is Ending Pending. My my very handsome fiancé and my best friend, Ronnie, we discuss in-depth television shows that have only lasted for a single season and, like, crime scene investigators try and figure out what works, what didn't work, what went wrong, and what we wish we could have gotten out of season two. We cover some really bad shit, like Inhumans and uh, we're covering a really horny vampire show right now called Moonlight. Uh, we cover some really good shit like Kings, which has a lot of really great biblical themes, and Sebastian Stan plays a very sexy and sad gay character. And uh, we cover, yeah, a whole lot of stuff. So check us out. We're hopefully a lot of fun, maybe? I don't know. I think, it is. I think, I think we're you're fun. fun. I, I love Indie Pending. I mean, like, Thank my you. favorite is the Inhumans episode because I'm a Marvel fan, but. I never actually watched Inhumans, which is saying something because I made it through oh, like wow. I made rough. it through like four or five seasons of Agents of Shield. So like I thought I'd be able to do it, but I tried and I just like I couldn't. It's it's really it's really yeah, wild. Hats off to you for like surviving and suffering so that we can all just <laughs> experience it through you and not have to watch the show. We we just had like a running group chat of like why the fuck do we do this podcast this is this is rough it was in humans is a very special kind of disaster where every decision went <laughs> bad uh so you can listen to us like slowly grow more and more paranoid and and crazy just like this family marvels and humans did this yeah yeah it's really something anyway yeah our podcast it's fun um, and I might have a new podcast coming out soon Ooh. too, actually. So stay tuned for that. I'm uh, 
Starting to work on something, maybe secret. Shh, Ooh. don't tell nobody. Okay. Well, I'm excited. What What about you guys? Where can people find you guys? Um, well, you can find me at Frosty the R Zero Bot on Twitter. Um, that's where I normally am. You can find me on this podcast. Um, I don't have any other podcasts, just this one. And um, you can find Netflix and Kill at Netflix underscore in underscore kill on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is Kai the Jedi. That's Kai spelled K-Y. And Jedi like Star Wars. In case you needed reminding. I do love Star yes. Wars. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then while you're on Twitter, be sure to check out Lunar Light HQ. They're our host network. We love them. And... All of the wonderful shows and all of the wonderful people. And it's just, everything is wonderful. It's delicious. I do love Lunar Light. Yes. So do I. I love, they're, they're just a big family to us. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Andy, for taking time to join us. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to do, like... Thank you for yeah, having me. I've been me. wanting to do more crossovers, and you picked, like, the perfect fucking movie to talk about. So... Please come back anytime. If you want to pick something totally awful next time, that can be fun too, because we can just, I don't know, laugh about just it. Rag on it. Yeah. I, uh, I had like three movie ideas that uh, I was like, hey, any of these. And I'm glad we did The Witch, but there's, there's some other ideas out there. Mm-hmm. So if you ever touch any of them, feel free to, to grab me again. Uh, okay. Well, thank you again. Um, I forgot. I'm sorry. I blanked out on how I normally sign off. So I'm just going to say live deliciously and go forth and enjoy. Hi, Ray and Marvel. Hey, Marvel. Hello. So, I've been watching this great anime that I wanted to talk to you about. What is Ooh. it called? It's called Yu-Gi-Oh! And we've already been talking about it on the Deck of Friendship podcast. Oh, you mean the podcast we do about game-based friendship animes? Yeah, where the first season we're covering Yu-Gi-Oh! Season 1 and we'll move on to sh- series like Bakugan and Digimon and Fighting Foodons and Dinosaur King and all sorts of other anime that focus on friendship as a core theme and are based on a physical game. It's a, wi- it's a wild concept for a podcast and th- we're doing it. Yeah, and we talk about those themes and how they pertain to these games and how you should use friendship and working together to overcome obstacles. Not only do we cover important aspects of the shows themselves like friendship, togetherness, socialism, and more, but we also get to the important questions. What happened to Grandpa? Is the heart of the cards cheating? What would your Millennium item be? So you want us to make our own Millennium items. Mine is the Millennium Estrogen.
You win. Legit answer. I would either want like a millennium piercing or a millennium tattoo. Ooh. Now, this might inform you a lot about me as a person, but I'd like a millennium fork. <laughs> somehow, Ray, somehow I knew. I but knew. It- it doesn't do what you think it does, is the thing. Oh, so it's like a tuning fork. Yeah, Ooh. I need to figure out the details and where the eye goes, because every Millennium item has an mm-hmm, eye somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Is that a thing? I think well, now so. Well, I feel like I got a short, the short end of the stick since I picked a Millennium copy of Scorpion King 2 Rise of the Warrior specifically on Blu-ray. <laughs> Hey, there's a bunch of uses for that one. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of power in that disc. Whoever watches it, their soul gets sucked into the video, and they have to live that movie. <laughs> this is getting this is getting deep. wild a little bit. So where where can this podcast be found? Deck of Friendship can be found on the Lunar Light Studio Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, or in the Shadow Realm. Or in the Shadow Realm. <laughs> Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.